So we are we're record we're officially recording this. Well, hello. Hi. We are great at intros. <laughs> yes. I'm are. really glad that Chris put together our uh, awesome intro music, so people don't have to listen to our like awkward intro every single time. They get to hear. Well, now they get they listen to that awesome music and they get hyped up to 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 hear <laughs> our awesome intros. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Yeah, we appreciate you. By the way, that's a reference to our theme song by Cosmic Monster. Check them out on Facebook. Buy their albums on Bandcamp. I say there, it's just our, our friend Chris's one-man one man band. Uh, also, you can like us on Facebook. We share a lot of cool stuff, and we let you know when all our episodes are out. And what else can people do, Matt? Follow us on Twitter. Uh, it is KT underscore podcast, which is our, our handle. Definitely go to our Facebook page. We post tons of like pictures and stuff. It's a lot of fun. Also, send, send us some like suggestions for future episodes. I'm, I'm down for that. Yeah. Talk to us, people. We want, we want you to talk to us. Don't be afraid. Some, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm excited. Um, yeah, let's talk, let's talk about King Kong. Well... Before we do that, I should tell people that I heard that if they rate and review us on iTunes, they would get a million dollars. <laughs> I have no evidence of this, but there's only one way for someone to find out, right? Uh, uh, we, we would appreciate rating uh, you rating us on iTunes. You don't even Unless have to you don't like us. like us. Well, no, if you don't no, like no. us, you know, tell us. I'm okay. I'm all right okay with, that. with that. Yeah. You're not going to get it like on a, on a Twitter rage feed and like like screaming all caps about yeah, not getting I'm, your way like I'm the not... one that our, <laughs> yeah. our country does every time. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm not like the president. Uh, so <sighs> I, I would welcome any, any, any and all feedback. Um, also, you can email us at kaijutransmissions at gmail.com. Again, like Matt said, give us some suggestions. What do you want to hear us talk about? We'll, we'll talk about it. We will. I swear. Um, but you know what? Uh, we don't, we don't, we don't have any, any suggestions right now, so we're just going to go ahead with our Kongathon which means we are leading up to a new King Kong movie. So we are talking about all things Kong, and we're just talking about giant apes, and we're just loving life doing it. Uh, Matt, <laughs> would, would you say that you've gone bananas? Uh, I have, especially after the last episode that we did. Man, that was, uh, that, was, that was brutal. Hey, I'm the one that had to give all that backstory. Yeah, but I had to listen to you. So <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, any listeners who listened to our last episode, Godspeed, uh, Kong seventy six and King Kong lives. Thank you for sticking that out. Uh, it was exhausting, um, but you know what? We're back. Hopefully, with something a little more simple, a little more, uh, uh, you know, less less convoluted. Um, so, if you go back to the early days of the podcast, you will hear us talk about. Uh, the RKO Kong films, uh, the 33 classic, and Son of Kong. Uh, and then um, last episode, we did Kong 76 and King Kong Lives. The one before that, we did the Toho movies and all the other weird stuff that King Kong did in Japan. 
Uh, I say that like he's like a real person that went to Japan. <laughs> um, but uh, so um, uh, this is our last stop on the on the on the the King Kong train. Uh, as far as Kong movies go, actual Kong movies. And that brings us to Peter Jackson's King Kong from 2005. Um, uh, so, um, 2005, Matt, that means this movie, at the end of the year, is going to be 12 years old. Yeah, makes me, we're old. Yeah. It makes me... <laughs> do, you, do you know how... Do you know how that how frustrating that is? What they were getting old? Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, it sucks. This movie's twelve years old. I seriously remember, like, following. I remember, I remember following this movie like it was yesterday. I I, I don't. Uh. <clears throat> so so, what do you remember the most about following? Like, what, what, what do you remember? Was it the ad campaign? Was it the production? Like, what do you remember following specifically? I'm curious. I just, I mean, you know, I mean, I remember following the casting. Like, I remember when Naomi Watts and Adrian Brody got cast. And I remember when, uh, you know, coming off of Return of the King, when, you know, Peter Jackson was announced as the director. And it was just, uh, it was, it was, those were, that, that was a long, long time ago. What did you think about Jack Black be, being cast going in? Uh, I thought I, I remember was, that being divisive, but maybe yeah, I'm wrong. I, I thought it was odd, um, but also, uh, um, I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't know if I mean people know I'm a movies guy, you know, and it's not just kaiju and sci-fi and horror. Like I like all kinds of movies, and um, I just remember thinking, like, well, Comedians typically actually do very well in in serious roles, like uh, Robin Williams. Like you know, I think about like Robin Williams in um, Awakenings, or like uh, one of my all time favorite movies is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which stars Jim Carrey, who I can't stand as a comedic actor, but he's <laughs> he's excellent in that film. So I mean, I think that was kind of Wait, my you attitude. You don't like Dumb and Dumber? Not really. I did when I was a kid, but you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just curious. So you probably didn't like Dumb and Dumber. Or I whatever didn't see that... Dumb and Dumber. Did anybody? Uh, not. I don't think it did very well. <laughs> I don't. Think, I don't. I feel like I don't know a single person that went and saw Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, I, I remember Jack Black being cast and thinking like, that's really odd. But all right, I don't know. That's kind of yeah. that's what I, mean, I thought most that, that was kind of my reaction. Like. I didn't really feel one way or the other, really. Um, uh, Were you excited about Peter Jackson? Like, oh God, yeah. In fact, um, oh my God, if 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 I haven't dated myself by now, I definitely will here. In terms of Peter Jackson's filmography, like, how familiar are you with with Peter Jackson? Um, I'm going to say decently, but nowhere nearly as, as familiar as you. Like, have you seen anything of his predating Lord of the Rings? Oh, man. Um, I'm trying to think. Of, I, I know that I have, but like, like telling you what I'm, it was. I'm thinking like uh, Bad Taste, um, Dead Alive. 
Have you seen any of those? Uh, I, haven't, I haven't seen. I haven't seen those. I, I, I want to see Dead Alive, but I, I oh, heard it's fantastic. That's, I, I, yeah. Um, maybe that's something we'll watch uh, next time we hang out. But um, basically, Peter Jackson was a B movie director in the beginning. Um, he started in the late eighties, early nineties, and he'd done a lot of very over the top horror comedies that were just disgusting. Like we're talking the grossest, gooiest, goriest stuff you could ever imagine. Um, it's all like, frighteners. Does that count? Uh, I mean, it has the same like sense of humor as the movies I'm talking about, but it was, it was a studio movie. So it didn't really up the, it didn't have the same like gross grimy feel of his early mm. movies, but I do, I do really like the Frighteners. Um, I think, I think, I actually think that movie is like severely underrated. Um, are you, do you like the Frighteners? Yeah, it was okay. I, I didn't remember like loving it, but it, it's been a while yeah. since I've seen it. I just remember Jeffrey Combs is so amazing in that movie. Um, uh, I, I do need to see Dead Alive. I remember wanting to see that and being stupid and not for some reason. Yeah, Dead Alive is probably the bloodiest movie I've ever seen, like the goriest. Uh, and I mean, Man, it's like, I'm, I'm sold right now. It's, it's, <laughs> I want to go see that right now. It's cartoon gore. You know, it's played for laughs. It's wacky, like Evil Dead kind of gore. But it takes like the gore level of Evil Dead and ups it to like a hundred. Um, so I I mean being like I mean is people that don't know like how my movie tastes evolved like in middle school is when I started to get into like um cult movies and like uh you know horror movies and a lot of like uh just really bizarro stuff and um some of it really obscure some of it more like you know the evil dead films but um uh like seeing these gross out uh Peter Jackson movies like I was a fan. Um, so I remember uh, when it was announced that he was making Lord of the Rings. Uh, this is like the late 90s. Um, so again, if I haven't dated myself horribly by now. Um, <laughs> and I remember thinking, wait, 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 wait. What? Like one of what, another. Oh, another movie is Meet the Feebles, which is a, a movie Peter Jackson made. It's, it's all puppets. And the concept is, like, it's, it's like the Muppet show. Like, it's behind the scenes of, like, a puppet show, like the Muppets. But, like, it goes into, like, all their problems. So, like, you have, like, a, 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 a lizard who's addicted to heroin and keeps having nom flashbacks. <laughs> um, there's a sex scene between a, a, um, a, a hippopotamus and a mosquito. Um, That's not going to end well. <laughs> just see that end off well. the wall, bonkers this is the peter jackson before lord of the rings so it's like wait wait lord of the rings those like long huge like meticulously detailed novels uh the the dead alive guy is making those and i was like what the hell is going on and I had no idea what to expect. And obviously the Lord of the Rings movies came out and they were fantastic and, and they're classics, right? Um, uh, and uh, yeah, but the, the, another, the interesting thing about the Frighteners is that it's kind of like, it's like the middle piece of the puzzle. Like it's, it's the bridge between like the low budget horror Peter Jackson and the big budget fantasy Peter Jackson. Cause it's got like all the same kind of like comedy and stuff of like the horror stuff, but it's got like the studio polish of like 
his later stuff. Uh, but I, I really like the Frighteners. But um, so yeah, Lord of the Rings happened, and I mean, obviously after that, it's like wow, this guy surprised everybody, and wow, this is like he's he's going to go on to great things, which. Um, I mean, it's spoiler alert, but I actually like the the Peter Jackson Kong quite a bit. I know, I know, it's not the most well loved movie, um, but I mean, with the Hobbit movies, I think that his interest in filmmaking just seemed like it was just zapped. Uh, <laughs> but um, but no, I mean, I was all on the Jackson hype train, um, and then after he got announced and started talking about it, I was like, wow, this guy knows his stuff because, like, so many people, like, King Kong was the movie that made him want to be a filmmaker, uh, the original, and, um, you know, he uh, he said all the right things about it, and um, uh, and then uh, it's, it's funny we talked about Dead Alive, Matt. Uh, here's a... a, a Odd piece of knowledge for you. Dead Alive, the beginning of Dead Alive, takes place on Skull Island. Did you know that? Did not know that, but that's pretty sweet. Yeah, it starts with some explorers on Skull Island, and they get attacked by the natives who are made up like the the natives in the original movie, and they cut a guy they cut a guy's like limbs off, and it's all super gory and awesome. Um, but the, the 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 plot of Dead Alive is that this like. It's a rat monkey, is what they call it. Uh, Sumatran rat monkey is like the creature that like uh, those explorers get from Skull Island. They bring it to the zoo, and it um, spreads the zombie outbreak. And fun Easter egg in Kong 05, when they are on the venture, and they pass all those animal cages, there's one labeled Sumatran rat monkey. That's pretty cool. Anyway, um, that's just a nerdy piece of trivia. Um, but no, uh, I mean... Uh, thing about this movie is, uh, Universal, um, you know, once all the dust cleared, um, after the 76 movie, um, it was said they couldn't do their own cut version of Kong, uh, until at least at, uh, eight years, eight, I'm sorry, 18 months, eight years, where am I going with this? <laughs> eight years after the, uh, the release of the 76 one. And they really didn't brush that idea off until the 90s. Um, and uh, when Jackson was doing The Frighteners, um, that's when they were trying to start to get uh, more of their projects off the ground. Um, if you were around then and, and paying attention to stuff, uh, like that's around the time they did their Mummy remake. Um, and one movie that they're still trying to get made, for crying out loud, is A Creature from the Black Lagoon, which they offered to, to Peter Jackson, and he was like, eh, you know, no thanks. And then they were like, well, what other movie could we remake? Because, I mean, when he was making The Frighteners, they were really interested in him. And they were like, well, what else can we offer him? Uh, and uh, I think in 96, they offered him uh, King Kong. Um, and this is after, there were also some negotiations with John Landis to do both Creature and Kong. And uh, his version of those never came to be. But um, with Peter Jackson, uh, he was like... At first, he said no. He was like, "King Kong's perfect movie. I I don't want to touch it." And then he, and then uh, you know, I I guess he slept on it, and um, he said, "Well, if I don't do it, someone else will." So like, I think kind of being a little protective, he was like, "You know what? I'll I'll give it a shot." And so, um, 
he wrote his first version of King Kong, which actually was, um, it's been said that it's, uh, the tone of it is very similar to the, the, the late nineties, Brendan Fraser mummy movie. Um, so I think it was a little bit more comic booky. Um, like the opening scene was like two pilots, like throwing a baseball, like from one plane to another. Like it was just a kind of like, (laughs) it was like a light fluffy, like it was a lot lighter, a lot more, um, like goofy kind of movie. Um, and it, it followed the basic formula, but there were some some significant changes. Um, like it was still a period piece in '33, but like uh, um, Driscoll, Jack Driscoll, like uh, he was like uh, he ran like a lumber yard in in uh, in Sumatra, and um, and like he was getting in a lot of feuds with uh, like uh, this like. Uh, like rich baron or something out there and his daughter was Anne, and then um and then like uh carl denham's film crew comes there and then he finds there like a map that has the map to skull island and um and Anne and jack like stow away and that's how they wind up there then the rest of it is pretty much king kong uh one cool idea that was in there was like um to try and stop, uh, to try and, like, help Kong, Jack, like, got in one of the planes and was trying to, like, block, like, trying to, like, defend Kong from the other planes. I thought that was, like, a cool idea. Um, Denim was, like, an out-and-out scummy villain. Like, I mean, he's kind of a douchebag in the 05 version, but in the original Peter Jackson version, he was just a two-dimensional, he was just a bad guy. Um, anyway... So uh, they they actually started mapping out like some CGI uh, pre visuals for like the world or World Trade Center, the Empire State Building scene. Um, but so I mean, uh, around the time they're about to roll, the Frighteners was released and unfortunately uh, didn't make that much money. So Universal were just kind of like, eh. and then around the same time, it was announced that both because um, this movie would have come out in nineteen ninety eight. Uh, so, uh, this is when, uh, around the same time, both Godzilla and Mighty Joe Young were both announced for 1998, and Universal were just like, this clearly isn't the right time <laughs> for this. Because, <laughs> um, I mean, they were like, you know, there's already two big budget giant monster remakes coming out, and, I mean, <laughs> they they just kind of withdrew from it. Um Anyway, then in 05, they revisited the idea um, after Jackson's success with Lord of the Rings. They were like, well, we know how much this guy loves King Kong, and he's a hot name right now. Let's let's get him in. So then he did a page one rewrite, and that's the, the script that they used. And um, from there, we, get, we got Peter Jackson's King Kong. Um, so... Uh, there's your history lesson, Matt. Um, now we both watched this movie within the last seven days. Um, well, before we, before we talk about how our recent rewatches went, do you remember when you first saw it? I do actually. Uh, and I, and I unabashedly loved it in theaters and was like, uh, especially the ending was just, very uh very sad <laughs> i was very sad by the movie the one thing i didn't 
uh, did not like was the aforementioned ice skating scene that I thought was kind of like, eh, like it just felt weird to me that they included that. But uh, watching it recently kind of kind of grew on me a little bit. But aside from that, like I loved it the, the first time that I saw it in theaters. Um, what about you? How did how did you feel when you first saw it? Um, I mean, my opinion is is a bit different these days. But when I first saw it in '05, I saw it opening night. Uh, me and uh, a group of my friends who also love King Kong. Uh, we went uh, opening night, and not just me, but like I went with a group of ma- there were maybe four of us. Like when it ended, like we were floored. Like I feel like when it ended, my jaw was like on the floor. Um, yeah. I loved it when it came out, and I saw it. <laughs> I actually, I think I saw this four times in the theater. Um, yeah, I saw it once. <laughs> <laughs> but- uh, but it was good. Yeah, but no, I loved it. Um, now, unfortunately, uh, I mean, it's it, for for nerds like us. I mean, it's very easy to get caught up in the hype of things, and you know that's what gets those guys. You look on YouTube, people walking out of Phantom Menace and saying it's the best Star Wars movie. It's incredible. Um, and uh, you know, I mean, uh, and then I, I saw it so many times in the theater that one, and this is like a thing that I have now, where like I, tr- depending on the movie, I try not to like get a movie on DVD as soon as it comes out as I used to, unless it's like something I really like or like a series I, I'm really like dedicated to, because like once it came out on DVD, I really didn't. I think I might have watched it once, and then I think I watched it one more time when the extended version came out, and I got that. And then I didn't watch it for like years. Like if it's on, it was if it was on TV, I would watch like parts of it because um, it was on TV a lot. But yeah, I, I never really like went back to it. And like those home viewings, like it kind of gradually lost its its luster. Uh, it's no secret that this movie is over three hours. Um, I think the theatrical cut is something like three hours and eight minutes, and then the extended cut is about three hours and 20. And you really do feel uh, the runtime during certain parts of this movie, Um, uh, which is probably the main reason why I'm not as hot on it now. Um, But uh, I'll talk about, like, my recent takeaway from it in a minute. Um... So when you rewatched it, um, how did you feel like it held up? Just, I mean, it's it's almost twelve years from now, or, or twelve years ago. Like, do you feel like it held up? Is is good? And it, did it not hold up at all? Um, it it, it didn't. It did not. I mean, it it kind of fell a, a few notches for me. Um, mainly, I, I think. Something happened to Peter Jackson. Uh, he, he went he went nuts, and he he after the Lord of the Rings, which are unabashedly pretty much revered and loved by I, I mean I don't know anybody who hates those films, um, but a, after after those films were made, something happened to him where he thought he could make and he could like one up everything, like he could take a scene or sequence, and he could add as like more things to it action wise 
Uh, like, for example, he adds, you know, more the, the V-Rex thing where he adds, you know, additional dinosaurs for Kong to fight. Or the the brontosaurus scene, which in the original is like it's one brontosaurus chasing everybody, where in this one it becomes like a gigantic stampede. Which, in my opinion, that's actually the worst part of the movie, um, because that scene is so like over the top and like it, it it the the scenes are almost pretentious in a way. I hate to use that word, but like they're they're so over the top, they're almost unbelievable unbelievable in, in a in a movie that you really have to suspend your belief and, and put yourself on Skull Island. Um that's <sighs> probably my and, and I and I see that criticism like if you look at the Hobbit films, which I don't think are good movies. Um Oh he adds, he, yeah, he, he adds characters he, like he gets that's the kind of stuff that annoys me. Yeah. Um that's true. Um, I kind of see his thought process in some of it, like, because um, like his whole thing was he wanted to do for kids today what the <laughs> sounds funny since this movie's like three hours long and the original is so short, but he wanted to to kind of like be able to thrill people today as well as the original what did in thirty three. So I think I think what he he was doing is like okay. If people have already seen him fight one T-Rex, how can I make how can I take that idea and make it as exciting to someone now as it was in 33? And so I mean, I think he was just like, okay, well he'll fight more of them and there'll be just be more going on. I I think that's kind of Yeah, but it's not even the fighting more. It's like, <laughs> you know, they're they're tumbling down this cliffside and then like all the, you know, the T the the V-Rexes get caught in these vines and then like the the V-Rexes, you know, pushing itself off as it's tangled up in the vine, like it's pushing itself off a uh, this, yeah, this it, cliff and trying to like bite. <laughs> it's just it's stuff like that 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 bothers me more because like I like if he wants to make him fight three T Rexes, okay, like I'm okay with that. But yeah, it, it, once they like they get tangled up in these vines and then Anne's getting tangled up in these vines and he's got to like <laughs> juggle her while he's fighting them and it's like it 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 gets to the point where it's it it's it's too much. It's, yeah. It, it, it's too complicated. It, it's too, like, it's too over the top. Um, and yeah, the Brontosaurus Stampede is guilty of that times like a hundred. And yeah, um, it's, it's awful. I, I understand not like I understand the idea of, of maybe not wanting to have the Brontosaurus chase them and eat people because that's obviously like our knowledge of dinosaurs and what we think about them has obviously changed since 1933, but. So having the the brontosaurus scene get changed and kind of updated and making a stampede, okay, that's interesting. But the way that it happens, yeah, it's just it's filmed stupidly. Like, yeah, you know, they're and like, it doesn't look good. They're anymore. like chasing people off cliffs and like, you know, you don't need all that. Like, it doesn't yeah. need to be that complicated. Yeah, and you have like these little like ra- I guess they're raptors. I'm not sure what they're actually supposed to be, but they're like chasing. What starts it is these other dinosaurs are chasing the brontos the brontosauruses, and they're like or patasauruses, whatever they're supposed to be, and they're they're running and they're like weaving in between the feet of the brontosauruses, chasing the the people. It's just absurd. Like the thing is, it's so unbelievable that you're like, man, there's no way any of these people would survive. Like that's how crazy it is. I can't suspend my my belief in a movie because of how over the top it is. And, mm-hmm. and I want to, like, I don't want to feel like, um, that should be a, a criticism of a film because usually for movies, like I'm down for, you know, doing stupid over the top things, but he takes it to this level of like 20 on a scale of 10. 
Yeah. Um, like, uh, yeah. And, and like you said about like how visually it's just like the, the, for the most part, a lot of the um, green screen work in this movie is still very well done, but that scene is is bad. Like you can tell it's just like actors. Yeah. You can tell it's just actors running on the on treadmills and then superimposed over the the dinosaurs, and it's just it's clumsily executed and like there's no sense of weight to anything. Like it's just like things are just like flying <laughs> and like there's a part where like a guy's running and. Like there's a like a raptor in his way, and like he jumps and like kicks it in the face and like jumps over it, and it's like this is way too much. Like there's no like there's no there's no reason for this. Like it it shades of uh the the Hobbit where like they're he's running upstairs that don't exist anymore with like no bottoms. You yeah, know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, he's like running up like bricks that are collapsing and ridiculous. Like yeah, that that. Ugh, yeah, that brontosaurus stampede is it, it. It is probably the worst. The, the other thing, thing is, the there's a couple characters like Jimmy and uh, the other. I, I don't know. I can't remember the name of the. His name's his, Hayes, like the. Yeah, the, Hayes. Yeah. The black guy uh, that's like, um, like in charge of like animal capture, like or whatever. Like, uh, yeah, I'm with. Like, it's it's baggage that like. I mean, watching this movie again, it felt like I was watching like. Um, uh, do you know what an assembly cut is? Um, like, <clears throat> I would assume where they just, like, throw everything together and they let you... Yeah, like, it, well, well it, yeah. It, it's a very rough cut that, that uh, is prepared um, to show the people at the studio where they, they kind of make a, a rough cut of just kind of, like, they just throw everything together in sequence and then, like, uh, the director will sit down with the producers and they'll watch this assembly cut and then, like, they'll they'll watch that and say, like, okay, this part can be edited down, or this scene you don't need. Like, for example, like, uh, in some of those assembly, a lot of assembly cl- cuts run long, like, four or five hours even. Like, I think Rob Zombie's Halloween, like, his, his, the assembly cut that he, he showed the studio was, like, four hours for a Halloween movie. That's like, insane. And, like, that's what I felt like when I watched this. Like, um... Like there's a lot of stuff like you just don't need like um like we don't need to see Denim in these meetings with movie producers and talking about <laughs> how he can't get a movie made like that stuff that the original movie told us just in dialogue and you know it, and I, like there's just no reason that you need to see it like you know how when you go to like a, a DVD menu and you go to the deleted scenes and you watch a scene you're like okay, it makes sense that they would film this, but I can see why it's not in the movie. Like, there's a lot of scenes like that that are stuck in here. Well, you could cut out Hayes and Jimmy entirely and not miss them. Well, yeah. (laughs) Well, we mentioned, um, we watched the extended cut for this, and when they first said, like, oh, there's going to be an extended cut, like, um, uh, I mean, even to this day, I think most people actually prefer the extended cuts of the Lord of the Rings movies to the theatrical ones because there's a lot more like character stuff and a lot more stuff that makes the final payoff more worthwhile. And so when I heard that they were doing a King Kong one, I was like, oh, it'll probably be the same thing. So I'm sure because when I came out of it, I was like, what was with the Jimmy and Hayes thing? Like, what? <laughs> and and I was like, oh, well, I'm sure this extended cut is going to make that make sense. And nope, like. And it's just, it's a weird relationship that, like, doesn't go anywhere. And, like, Jimmy is, like, 
it's weird. Like, like uh, Hayes tells Driscoll, he's like, when I found Jimmy, it was on this island, and he was as wild as the animals around him. And it's like, so... <laughs> What? So, like, was he, like, a jungle kid that, like, he, like, made civilized? Like, what? And then, like, he's reading Hearts of Darkness, and and uh, uh, Hayes is like, Jimmy, why are you reading that book? Don't get any ideas. And then Jimmy, like, sneaks onto the island after he's told to stay on the boat, and he's like, why are you here, Jimmy? It's too much adventure for you, Jimmy. Why are you here? Like, and it's like, what is the point of any of this? And then in the second, and then Hayes ends up getting killed, and then Jimmy is, is barely, is, I don't even know if he's seen at all once they get off Skull Island, so it's like... He's not, yeah, I don't remember seeing him. So it's like, what? why Why did you waste our time with this? Like, what? And, like, I, I remember, like, just not even getting them. It was like, is he, like like a surrogate dad like are they gay like what what's the deal and like he's got this uh, he's got this uh affection for reading books and they, and he like quotes one of the books and like i i guess it's supposed to mean something but it just never comes across the way that i don't know yeah, i was it, thinking that too he reads like a whole passage as they're like is it as they're like getting near skull island yeah like, i'm not really sure like well, he doesn't. He has that one line where he's like, uh, "Oh, he, he's like, it's not an adventure story, is it, Mister Hayes?" And he's like, "No, Jimmy, it's not." And we're like, uh, uh, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I mean, it's it's just some really bad. I feel like it's a really bad vein, almost attempt at like explaining the movie within the movie or something. Right. And yeah, there's just no. I don't. Man, there's so much of this movie is just fucking around. Like, there's no re like we get that Kyle Chandler's character, like the actor, is a conceited douchebag. But like we have, we get this whole scene of him and Anne acting in a part, and they're reciting the dialogue from the original movie. And it's like, what? Okay, like, literally line for line, yeah. And it's like we don't like we don't need this scene here. Like this is a scene that you you leave in deleted scenes menu. And <laughs> and and this is this is stuff that was in the theatrical cut too. We're not talking about any thing that is exclusive to the extended cut we are talking about things that are in theatrical version that have no reason to really be there like we don't need to see like scenes with Anne talking to like her friend on at the vaudeville place about like oh we're gonna close like like it doesn't add anything to these characters or this story uh and by the time you get to Skull Island, you're practically an hour in. It's like and, yeah, it's like forty five, fifty minutes in before you even get to the island. Yeah. Which which is part of the problem. Um I want the main focus of a film like this to be the island and Kong. And, and it it doesn't it takes forever to get there. I feel like that, that first forty five minutes could be cut in half. Oh yeah. Um, once they get to Skull Island, the pacing of the movie improves, although it's still not, you know, it's not perfect. Um, like, the extended cut has a scene that's basically a replica of the Stegosaurus scene. Um. With the Triceratops. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't understand why they, like, I feel like if someone, if someone was to sit me down and say, hey, just make your own version, like, new edit, I would probably leave the Triceratops part in, and I would take out the Brontosaurus stampede. Um, the extended part also has a, a scene where they're they're swimming. They have to like go through the swamp, and they're chased by these uh, 
like giant like snake fish like e- these big eel creatures yeah and, like i can see like i can see why that was cut you don't need to see them get chased like i mean if you have a movie that's already three hours like th- that's the thing it, it kind of goes back to what we were saying about how movies cost so much like it these felt are, like he used he used that in lieu of the brontosaurus chasing them in the yeah. rafts. Like, like these are these are big expensive effect special effects scenes with lots of green screen work and cg and like how much of those movies budget could have been saved by not filming like these scenes that didn't even make it into the theatrical version and like they're fun deleted scenes but like i don't need them in the final version of the movie um and like those are those are like the there's a couple things here and there but those are like the two main scenes in the extended version that aren't in the theatrical and um i mean they don't need to be there (laughs) <laughs> the the one scene that that Jackson adds, and this is in the theatrical version that everybody knows about, is is the spider pit, which I thought uh, spider pit's a pretty well known uh, thing that was removed from the. I, I did, like, can you can you tell me the history of the spider pit scene from the original film? Like, isn't it basically just lost because they removed it because audiences thought it was like too scary or something? Essentially, from um, test screen. Yeah, is, is, the, that, is that the the folklore tale of it, or is yeah, that what actually yeah, happened? Yeah, I mean, there there's really no. I mean, the 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 movie's so old. Um, there's really two versions of that story. One is that it was cut for length, and the other one was that um, it was cut out for because, um, uh, like you said, people thought it was too, uh, like people people thought it was scary. Um, but however, it's, it's been said that in a studio memo, Cooper said that, uh, he took it out because he felt like it stopped the story. So I I thought it was interesting that Jackson added that scene into this film, which is, is, it's kind of a cool, creepy, uh, I I liked most of it. Mm -hmm. Although it, it does again, get into like that pretension thing. Like the one guy, uh, well, Driscoll is like covered in these what are essentially what are those like grasshoppers or cockroaches yeah. or something? I don't know what they yeah, are. Yeah, they're they're big grasshoppers. They're they're actually wetas, which is like a Australian like a big Australian like cricket kind of creature, and um, or not New Zealand. I'm sorry, um, which is where Jackson's from, and that's actually what his uh, effects studio Weta is named after. But yeah, they're like giant ones, and they're like crawling all over people. Well, and like they're they're crawling on the guy, and like there's a somebody who's never shot a gun in his life shooting a freaking machine gun, basically blasting them off his face. <laughs> <laughs> Just like this makes no sense. Yeah. And then you got uh, stuff like that is what drives me us about this movie. Um. Yeah. Overall, I, I like the I, I like the spider pit scene. I I mean I I. I... I guess I kind of agree with the conceit that you know it stops the movie, which is like the what they said in thirty three. But I feel like if I was Peter Jackson and I was remaking King Kong, like I feel like if I was remaking King Kong at all, I feel like I would almost like I would be I would just want to do it. You know, it's like one of the most famous lost scenes, and it's like okay, I finally have a chance to like make it. Um, and uh, I love the like those like slug things that eat the cook <laughs> the, played by those Andy Serkis. So creepy. Yeah. And they're, they're designed after penises, by the way. Um, oh, shocker. Yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah, I, I, I love those things. Um, and you know, I, I don't mind the spider pit scene. I mean, I, I feel like if you were going to cut any of the big set pieces out of this, 
I mean, you the, that Brontosaurus stampede. Ha, no, I agree. I know. like the spider pit scene. I think we're we're in agreement there. I was just saying that the one thing I didn't like was the the shooting. Like the he's got like a million of these little cricket things on him, and he in just that one part annoys me. But like overall, I think including the spider pit scene was cool. It's a way to distinguish his version from the original, but yeah. kind of like a throwback scene, basically. Did you ever see um, on the special features on the original King Kong where Peter Jackson and the Weta guys did their own stop motion black and white version of the yeah, Spider Pit incredible. scene? Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Um, uh, I uh, <laughs> I don't want to get this make this into too much of a tangent, but um, from going to like uh, conventions, horror conventions and stuff over the years, uh, for a brief while, like. Uh, in like the mid two thousands, I kind of formed like a kind of a friendship with uh, Tom Sullivan, who was the special effects artist on the Evil Dead movies, and he's like obsessed with King Kong, and um, he 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 sent me in the mail. Um, he made like his own fan edit of the original version, where he took Jackson's uh, Jackson stop motion Spider Pit scene and, and inserted it into the original, and it was, that was pretty fun. That's pretty um, cool. Uh, the with the um, with the uh, original Spider Pit scene uh, that they did for that DVD, like they did it by like studying like the known like photos that are available and like tried to like get it as close as possible. And it it's 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 really cool. I think someone's uploaded it on YouTube, but it um, is on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, you can see it pretty easily. Um, Anyway, uh, but b- back to the Jackson movie, um, there's uh, a, there's definitely a, a runtime problem. Uh, now, once they get to New York, um, I feel like I feel like if we're gonna break the movie up into like before Skull Island, then Skull Island and New York, I think the New York stuff is probably where there's the least amount of fat. Um, now, this is gonna bring us to a lot of people would probably say they would take out that scene where they're like slipping around on the ice. I kind of like that scene. Um, now let me tell you why before everyone jumps down my throat. <laughs> um, this version of Kong is, you know, he's, he, he's very much played up as being a very sympathetic creature who, you know, when he's not ripping people <laughs> limb from limb and being the God of skull Island, when you get down to it, he's just like any other animal. And, you know, that part where they're gliding around the, on the ice, it just kind of gives them like a a nice little moment of peace in the middle of all this chaos. And then it's ab- abruptly ended by like a tank like trying to shoot at him. And I don't know, I, I just thought it was, I just felt like it was kind of a refresher, that scene. I, I'm not saying it's not hokey. I'm not saying it's not like overly sentimental. I'm just saying that that's why it personally works for me is that it kind of allows a little bit of levity to what we know isn't going to end well. Yeah, I, I I get that. Um, I think it just initially the first time that I watched it, not the first time, probably the, 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 the second or third rewatch that I ever had, it came across as kind of being almost hokey. The last time in, in this last rewatch, it felt, um, 
I don't know, kind of charming and almost like sweet. And, and you are right. It does give them like this brief sort of um, like moment together right before, you know, things are going to go to crap. Uh, and, and this Kong is very much a sympathetic Kong. Like not that the original isn't because he is that, but like Anne and Kong and this have this like this bond that they share where in the original – like, she wants nothing to do with him the entire movie. Um, she's always trying to get away with him. When this one, like, she's going to Kong to try to almost, like, help him. Like, she walks down a street on New York City purposely to basically stop his rampage, more or less. Yeah. Um, so that's that's one big difference, like, between – I mean, and that's a throwback to, like, you know, we talked about this on the other podcast. Like, was you know, King Kong Escapes is kind of the first movie that introduces that Kong that feels very sympathetic and, and the the – the the female protagonist is is also trying to be bond is also bonding with Kong, and this plays that up to like kind of an extreme level, mm-hmm. but it's it sort of and and you got that again in uh seventy six as well. Yeah, you you definitely did, um, but that that scene is okay, I guess. I don't know. It's not not my favorite, not my not my least favorite thing. It's you are right though that the New York stuff is probably the area where like the least could be taken out. Like I don't, I don't find besides the 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 ice skating scene. Like I don't know what else you would take out there, really. Yeah. Like, um. Yeah, I, I mean the the New York stuff I think is handled pretty well. Um. And I like that it's set in the winter. Um. Yeah, that's that's cool. I do like that. Uh. And um, I will say that this is probably as far as Kong's, I guess, quote unquote, love interests. I think the Naomi Watts version of Anne is probably actually my favorite. Um, uh, I mean, I don't know if it's just because she's a, as good of an actress as she is. I mean, Naomi Watts is amazing, but um, I feel like Anne... In the original, I mean, it's very much a symptom of the time it was made. She's got this very naive, oh, shucks, golly kind of thing to her. Um, and then like Dwan is just an idiot. Um, but, <laughs> She's the, dumb. but the, I feel, I feel like this is the most, the Anne that's like the most aware of like her own struggles and the most, uh, like the most down to earth, like the most, uh, the most relatable. Yeah. Um, uh, I love Adrian Brody, but just like just like any any other kong movie the male protagonist <laughs> you know he, he's not that interesting How, although it does give us that moment where he's typing and he's like s k <laughs> i hate that part <laughs> i hate that part so much like that's that's one of the most baffling directorial yeah decisions in this what was why did he do that I, why are there so many like slow motion sequences in this film I don't know. It's weird. It's like that weird jerky slow motion. That, like... it, it, it's really, it's really not. It really takes me out of the movie, and like it, it sort of gives me like jitters almost. It's like the, like my, it bothers my eyes almost to to a certain extent. But yeah. I, I hate that that specific scene. Like pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me angry. When the new yeah, movie, I think was... when the new movie comes out, what if that's like how the title comes up? It's like S S K. <laughs> You. <laughs> well, it's because it's because dumbass Jimmy is like sitting right there, and the whole thing was like, remember he's it's Carl Denham talking about to Adrian, and then 
Jimmy, it's implied that Jimmy overhears him, and then he's typing it out like really loudly. <laughs> and it's just, it's the worst. Uh, um, I hate that part of the movie. Speaking of, hey, we haven't really talked about it much, but like, how do you feel about Jack Black playing Carl Denham after the movie? Because I honestly, I think he's, uh, I hate this version of Carl Denham so much. Like um, he's just, a I mean, like. I, I mean, it's definitely like a more, uh, he's a more selfish, self-obsessed version of Denim, and uh, I feel like he's a little bit more humanized than the first Jackson script, where he was just a villain. Uh, as far as, like, the performance goes, I mean, I, I thought, I think it's decent. There are some moments where he's a little bit too Jack Blackie. Um... <laughs> But I, I I didn't I didn't hate it like a lot of people um, and, and I mean th- and this came out at, the t- at a time where Jack Black was everywhere like you couldn't turn around without seeing him somewhere. Um, uh, but no, I mean I I think he uh, at the end of the day I think he was probably probably was a little bit miscast, but uh, I didn't I didn't hate him in it. Yeah, I thought I thought it was definitely a. Uh... Um, a miscast. Like I could not stand him in this movie. I I couldn't take him serious, honestly. <laughs> I, th- th- and that's the thing. Like he, we, we talked about how you know a lot of times comedians can, when they're cast in serious roles, they bring this like different take on it. But in in this, like I just I didn't buy it. He doesn't have that screen presence that I wanted Carl Denham to have um, yeah. at all. He's just a schmuck, um, and I, I just I really hate him in this film. Like, just he, yeah, he's terrible. And Adrian Brody is uh, boring. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, I like uh, I like Captain uh, the Skipper Inglehorn in this. He's awesome. Uh, he's, he's great. He's yeah. played by Thomas Kretschmann, who I actually I like is. Uh, he's he's a character actor. If you watch a lot of like genre stuff, um, but. Um, yeah, I li- I like that he's just like a total badass in this and he's not you know, in the original he's just like a sweet old man, <laughs> you know, and in this he's like <laughs> like like swearing and yelling at people and shooting stuff and uh I th- I think he's a lot of fun. Um now uh to address the gorilla in the room. Oh yeah. Huh. Um I want to talk about Andy Serkis, not as Lumpy the Cook, but as King Kong. <laughs> um, what do you think about his performance in this? Um, I like I like Kong in this movie. Um, he's obviously very expressive. He he does things in this film that we really haven't seen in any of the other Kong films up to this point. Um, he's you know Kong is acting like an, an ape would. You know, he's he, but he's he's reacting to things uh, like he's got that scene with uh, he and Anne where they're like he's knocking her over repeatedly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that that's a pretty charming scene. But like, uh, do you like the the overall Kong design? Like, I mean, like I don't think you can screw that up unless. Uh, yeah, I think I think he's fine. I like that he's got like that snaggle tooth, <laughs> and I like that he's like all scarred up and beat up and like old. Um, yeah, I, and- I like the Kong design. He kind of goes from looking very um, like 
almost when he's with Anne, he can be sort of approachable and charming at times until like being like, holy crap, he's going to, you know, yeah. rip dinosaurs in half kind of thing very quickly. Um, and he can be terrifying. Like he's got that scene where he rips the, the tongue out from the, the V-Rex during the fight. <laughs> I love I do love that. Um, um, so, yeah, I thought it was a pretty I mean, I thought Circus did a, a great job because he's obviously emoting all those different expressions. Yeah, for Kong. And I, I mean, I, I mean, Andy Circus really is. I mean, he, he's the king of motion capture from, I mean, the Lord of the Rings movies playing Gollum and Caesar and the Planet of the Apes movies. And um, like him, Godzilla. Uh, yeah, him and uh, the people at Weta have really um, pushed the boundaries of not just CG but motion capture acting, which is really the the modern version of of you know the things we love, the suit actors. Um, uh, and it's 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 you know the next step in that evolution of I guess creature acting or whatever and without andy circus in them like we without like lord of the rings and in this movie this movie pushed a lot of technical technological boundaries with that um and uh like with this we wouldn't have been able to like you know you look at rocket raccoon as motion capture um you know ultron you know i mean so many of these cg characters godzilla and king kong in the new movies like Andy Circus without without Andy Circus um because he's very involved on the technological parts too uh we wouldn't we I we, I don't think we'd see these characters in that form um so I mean props to him there but just yeah overall as a performance I mean he, he, the guy's incredible you know I mean he's actually making all those movements all those faces that's all him um and uh yeah he really brings his a game and uh just like i mean you look at like you know guys like rick baker and nakajima and what they were able to bring to kong i mean andy circus is able to do the same thing and he he made it his own and he he was he was incredible um and uh i know the this version of kong uh there's a lot of i guess i'll call them purists um who say that you know oh he's too much like a real gorilla um and he is very much like a real gorilla you know you see him eating like the big bamboo shoots and and you know he walks on <laughs> all fours and and stuff like that but I think every version of King Kong is kind of trying to to stay as close to a real gorilla's movements as possible, you know, based on like what we, they know about gorillas and things like that. Um, it's what Rick Baker wanted to do in '76, and it's it's definitely what O'Brien and them did in '33. Um, but really people, people have accused this version of Kong as being too soft. And I don't know if I disagree with that. We see more moments of vulnerability from him, but when he's fierce, he's ruthless. Like, uh, Skull Island is literally littered with bones of, you know, people who he's torn limb from limb, um, like yeah, he bites the T Rex's tongue out with his mouth. Um, <laughs> like there's in New York when he's looking for Annie, he's just picking up random blondes and just chucking them over his shoulder. 
Like that he, part is pretty. I laugh every time I see that part of the movie. <laughs> like he's not. He's not like a, a a mighty Joe Young or a son of Kong. Like he he's vulnerable and he's he's uh you know he he's you know you, you he's very sympathetic. But when he's pissed off, he's he is a monster. Um, so I, I don't know if I agree that he's too soft no i don't think i don't think he's too soft um not in this film he's just very he's portrayed his relationship with Anne is just very different compared to the original and i think that's where that idea of him being soft is like i don't think he's more soft than he is in 76 yeah he's giving he's freaking gives her a bath in 76 <laughs> in a waterfall <laughs> Like I, I like I I don't feel like seventy six Kong like killed as many people as this as this one. <laughs> no, like, like, there's like literally just bones everywhere. We were just talking about that. Like there's just <clears throat> um, yeah, he's terrifying, man. And um, I will say uh, when I saw this in theaters, like I was looking at the CG and I was like, wow, this is like the best CG I've ever seen. Um, and for being a movie that's nearly twelve years old. It's clear. It's obviously not anymore the best CG I've ever seen, um, but a lot of it holds up, especially like the close-up shots of Kong, where like every hair that's moving is 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 all CG, and every like wrinkle on his face is all digital, and you know the close-ups of the T Rex, like I feel like the texture on them all is all very real it's when things start moving really fast that's when i'm like okay this isn't really holding up um but yeah there's uh, scenes where like he's carrying Anne through the yeah, <laughs> those yeah. don't look good anymore in fact this is like the one of the first movies that kind of got me to turn around on cg a little bit and like because like i i was just like how how much detail is in like you know for example kong's face or his fur like i i kind of it was the first time I'd seen CG that was that, um, I guess, photorealistic. Which, I mean, you look at, like, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and that's just taken that to, like, a whole other degree, you know. Like I said, it's advanced since this movie came out, so it's no longer, like, as mind-blowing or whatever. But it's the first time I ever really started to feel like, you know what, I'm not the biggest CG fan, but, like, I started to appreciate the art more, Um and and you know this might be controversial, knowing that we're list- a lot of people listening are people that might love stop motion or or suits, and I do too, and that's that's always going to be something I prefer. But I think that CG still has like so much hard work put into it that you know um, old farts like me who love the practical stuff sometimes we lose sight of just how much work it is. Yeah, that's a fair statement. I mean, there's a lot of the, the, the amount of technicians that are working on just one shot is is sta- I mean, like, studios have multiple people working on any one shot any at, at one time. It's not yeah. like it's one dude doing it. The problem is, and it's something that Norman England talked about when he was on. The problem is when everyone's just using the same like stock smoke and fire effects, and everything yeah. just starts to look the same. Um, luckily I think Weta kind of has their own, like, uh, their own look, their own feel to, to their stuff. Um, and speaking of effects, Matt, and, uh, and 
practical versus CG. Another good thing about this movie, know what that is? I do not. And this may surprise you, but the miniatures. Uh, you're talking about for the city, I'm assuming? Uh, um, there's some stuff for the city, but like um, like on Skull Island, a lot of the like uh, lo- like shots of like like the the longer shots and aerial shots also um like the wall um when kong is about to come grab Anne, and you know you see the lava pouring out of it those are all miniatures um and jackson previously actually used a lot of miniatures on lord of the rings like all those beautiful shots of mordor and stuff that's yeah, all that's, pretty sweet. that's all miniatures um it's kind of similar to what the what Higuchi tries to do but doesn't have the money to do is use the take the like photograph the miniatures and then you know use cg effects to enhance them or add fire or lava or whatever um and if you watch these movies again and kind of like keep an eye out for it you can kind of tell physically that it's it's um it's not a digital environment um that that's actually something that was actually mildly among among like effects nerds when uh, the hobbit movies came out um it was announced that peter jackson would not be using any miniatures and everything would be cg um so yeah the the like the skull island wall the forest parts of the city are all miniatures that's pretty sweet. Um, un- uh, unfortunately, all that stuff got destroyed in a fire at Weta, along with all the miniatures for Lord of the Rings. Yeah, that's depressing. <laughs> also, speaking of fire, one other thing that I do not like is when they do the sacrificing for Kong, and like the lava pours out of the thing. I I just no, I don't I don't <laughs> like that. <laughs> that is that is another thing, and and that sequence is just it's just stupid. <laughs> it's better not than the one in seventy six. Well, yeah, but like, just like the, uh, like, did he have to add like the the liquid, fu- like the the lava? I mean, I, I don't, I no. Um, and then also, uh, you mentioned New uh, New York, but um, yeah, that was all like a set that was built, um, like the uh, the skies and everything that was all like green screened in, but like they built a indoor, like basically built new york a new york set uh for the time period which um is pretty awesome i don't even know if that's something that some people would do now do, do you like do you like the the substitution of the bats for the pterodactyl uh that's or something you, you kind of complained about but I, I i i don't care i i i like the pterodactyl scene more because i feel like it's a better fight with kong and like another creature but um you know, I mean, I, you know, you're remaking something. You don't want it, everything to be exactly the same. So, I mean, I don't mind it. I'm not the biggest fan of the bats, but you know, I don't, I don't really mind it. They they reminded me of like the he was like he was trying to make vampire bats or something. I don't know. That's what I thought the first time they show like one of them up close. It's like these are like vampiric bats. They're stupid. <laughs> They're like giant vampire. Like I don't know. I I, I didn't. I didn't like that scene as much. It is a kind of a, a cool sequence, but I, I would have preferred the pterodactyl. Mm-hmm. Um, only because I don't think that the bats are an improvement. Like, it, it didn't do anything. It, it didn't add anything to the movie. Yeah. Um, 
Another fun piece of trivia. In the 33 movie, uh, Marion C. Cooper and the director, Ernest Schoedsack, are in cameos as the pilots that shoot Kong down. Um, and uh, in this one, uh, one of them's Peter Jackson, and the other one is Rick Baker. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Rick Baker is the man. Yeah, he <laughs> he really is, despite what Kong 76 wants you to think. Um, but, uh... Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think that it holds up. I, I will say, and I don't know if you talked about on the last episode, if we were in agreement on this, for this movie being over an hour longer, I feel like this movie goes by quicker than the 76 one. It absolutely does. And, yeah, <laughs> it, it 100% does. Um, there's actually fun set pieces in here, unlike the 76 one. Uh, the characters are better. I mean, it's... It's too goddamn long. Um, there, a, a, a good fan edit. You could honestly probably get this down to maybe two hours. Honest, to be honest, um, we we complained a lot about this movie in this podcast, but I will say that I enjoyed it quite a bit. Like there, there's a lot of cool things the movie does do well. Uh, special effects. I, I I'm with you. I think it looks great. I love a lot of the action sequences. I love the portrayal of Kong. Um, so for all my complaining, like, it's still a movie that I really do enjoy. Yeah, same here. I know over the years, um, I feel like everyone loved it when it came out, but yeah, over the years, it's kind of gotten poo-pooed on a little bit more. Um, but it's one that I'll, uh, at the end of the day, I'll still defend. Uh, I think you can probably watch the first 10 minutes and then maybe fast forward <laughs> until they get to Skull Island. Uh, but um, I, I really do, uh, I really did find, it held up a lot better than I thought it would um, going in. Because this was the first time I'd seen it in several years. I will say that I probably don't, I don't know if I'd watch the, the extended version again. Um, I think the theatrical version is the better cut, and uh, any future viewings will probably be exclusively the theatrical version. Um, oh, you know what? I want to I, I want to mention that I like I really like the score. The score is good, actually. Yeah, um, I do. I do like the score. It's by James Newton Howard, who replaced Howard Shore, like uh, like almost like. It was something like three weeks before the movie came out, and I don't know where he got this awesome score from. I don't know if he just pulled an awesome score out of his ass or what, but yeah, <laughs> given the time constraints, uh, it's it's a it's a really good score. Um, it's it's very uh, if it, it it fits the movie well and is very moving in the right spots. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, I, I I think it's. I don't think it's the strongest movie, but I don't think it's as bad as the people that hate it think. Um, so uh, I would give this. Um, uh, I would give this. What's a good What's a good scale for this one? Yeah, I was going to ask you. I, I've been picking all the scales this, like for for this last. Uh, well, we, oh, we're the, recording like three episodes tonight, so that's the score, why. But. The score was seven <laughs> weeks before the film opened. Still pretty damn good. That's pretty, yeah, close. Um, uh, I would give this, uh, oh, geez. Um, uh, I would give this three and a half slow motion typewriters out of five. <laughs> there you go. That's a good one. Yeah, uh, I am torn between a three and a three and a half because there, the, the movie, my level of enjoyment for the movie is actually fairly high 
but it has it does have quite a, the, the, all the issues that that we talked about early on in the podcast. It's that length, man. Three hours is too goddamn long to be watching freaking King Kong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, especially when you have dumb characters that don't need to be in the film. You know what? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna go like, like a, a, a two and three quarters. I, I think is my revised because it does have, like, I really enjoy parts of the movie, but there's other parts that just suck. <laughs> and, and and I and I have to take those into consideration. So that that's where I'm going. I'm going to go two and three quarters because I'm that guy. All right. Well, it's fair. I will say I, I think it was necessary to give people a, a King Kong movie that kind of got the 76 remake out of their brains and gave them like all the creatures, all the dinosaurs, all the like a Skull Island that is actually like scary Um like uh like and like creepy at times like there's the part where Anne is like in that hollowed log and that huge centipede is like up in her <laughs> face and like it's like sticking its antennas in her mouth and it's like Ugh. um so i mean for for an awesome skull island alone i kind of think this movie was like necessary to like remind people like you know about king kong and what the what that what the the classic tale of king kong is all about so I, I really think that this movie was necessary to get us from the 76 remake to, to the upcoming Skull Island and the legendary MonsterVerse. I feel like this movie is a, a necessary stepping stone. I almost feel like it had to happen. Yeah, well, it's definitely a step up above the 76 and certainly King Kong lives. Um, <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I, I, still, uh, I still struggle with Jackson's, like, he just went crazy <laughs> at yeah. some point and just decided to to do a bunch of crazy crap. But yeah, I, I, it's, it's a good film to, to like, it's an enjoyable movie, I guess is the best way for me to put it. Um, and I am so much looking forward to seeing Skull Island, but I'm tr- the new Skull Island movie, but I'm, I'm also trying not to get too overly hyped for it because I feel like that's, it's never going to live up to this expectation I have in my head. Well, that, I mean, that's, it's never, safe to get too hyped for something yeah so i'm just like trying to avoid the trailers for the most part and go in like more or less blind i've seen the, i've seen the first like trailer and i've seen yeah i'm, I'm done I'm, I'm done, done with like i'm done with tv spots and trailers and set visit reports i i'm i'll, I'll go back and look at that stuff after i see it but i'm, I'm yeah. good um you know, one thing I want to mention, uh, it's out of print now, but if anyone can track it down and get their hands on it, there was a cool book that Weta put out that was the, uh, um, uh, it was like a field guide to, um, to Skull Island. Uh, it was called The World of Kong, A Natural History of Skull Island, and it's, it's pretty much a, a fully illustrated, like, really great drawings and paintings of all of Skull Island, uh, like in preparation for this movie, Weta literally made, they designed Skull Island. They designed dozens and dozens and dozens of different creatures, some of which ended up in the movie, some of which didn't, but they put out this hardcover book. It's basically an art book, but it, it it's like a fake field guide to all the different creatures on Skull Island. Uh, and I, I, I brought it over to Matt's place and let him look at it. And, uh, it's a really cool book. It is a cool book. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's worth tracking down if you can find it. Um, also, uh, um, 
You know, we didn't mention that the extended cut has the only practical creature in the movie. Do you remember what that was? Mm, no. Do you remember? There's a part where they're walking through the forest and they shoot like a big bird thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a cool effect, but like, why? Why was it in the movie? <laughs> like, why, why did that? Like, it, that's one of those things you just, you should just know isn't going to show up in the movie and not even film, but whatever. Um, all right, so I, I guess, I mean, that's Kong 05. Um, it, it, yeah, when I, when I first saw it, I probably would have given it a 5, and then it probably would have slid down to a 4, but now I think, I think 3.5 is where it's always going to be for me. Um, and I, I still enjoy it, and I know the uh, haters listening might be disappointed, and the lovers of 76 might have been disappointed in me then, but, <laughs> you know... So anyway, uh, anything you want to add to Kong 05 before we get out of here? Nah, man, I, I think I think we covered it. Looking forward to the uh, the next installment in the in the Kong franchise. Yeah. Uh, all right, so uh, that wraps that up. So uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Peace.